Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, the gospel for this weekend is breathtaking. First, in what it says about Jesus. And second, for what it says about us. So, turning to the crowd following him, Jesus blithely says, If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, other versions of this in other Gospels revise it slightly, but keep the same meaning. Unless you love me more than your mother and father, more than your very life, you're not worthy of me. Now, I'm going to suggest, let's all perform a little thought experiment. Could you seriously imagine any other religious leader or religious founder saying such a thing? We could imagine crazy people saying such a thing. But seriously, do a thought experiment. Can you imagine any other religious leader or founder who's sane saying such a thing? Could you honestly imagine Mohammed saying it? Well, no, no, no. He might say, unless you love the Quran and its teaching more than your mother and father. Could you honestly imagine the Buddha saying it? No, no, no. He might say, unless you love my teaching, the Eightfold Path that I've discovered more than your mother and father, etc. Could you imagine Moses saying it? No, seems to me. You know, perhaps he would say, unless you love the Lord, unless you love the Torah more than your mother and father, more than your very life, etc. But none of these figures, and I say it to their credit, none of these figures would say, unless you love me more than the most lovable things in the world, you're not worthy of me. None of them would say, unless you hate the most lovable things in the world, you cannot be my disciple. But see, this is precisely what Jesus says. And it makes all the difference. For he's not one religious founder among many. He's not one prophet of the truth in a long line of prophets. Rather, he's the one to whom all religions directly or indirectly point. He is in person the truth to which all the prophets testify. Now see, what's borne out here is C.S. Lewis's great point that Jesus compels a choice the way no other religious figure or founder does. Here's the choice. Either he is who he says he is, or he's a bad man. I mean, you could say he's insane. You could say he's egomaniacal. You could say he's crazy. But the bland middle position that every lot of people from Lewis's time, very much to our time, will take, 
that he's a great religious teacher simply won't do. See, in the presence of the one who makes such an extraordinary claim, we have to make a decision. Does that make sense? You see how he compels us. What we can't do is adopt this kind of, you know, nice um, smorgasbord approach where, yeah, I like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I like this from the Buddha, this from Muhammad. Oh, yeah, and Jesus has nice things too. And isn't he interesting? And I, I like him to this degree or that. No, no. In the, in the light of what he says here, we have to make a choice. Either we're with him all the way because he is who he says he is. Or we should be against him. You know, if you think I'm putting words in his mouth, that's what Jesus himself says, isn't it? Either you're with me or you're against me. Either you gather with me or you scatter. That's why, see, in the presence of these words for today, we, we're, we're put on very holy ground, even though it's kind of uncomfortable ground. we got to make a decision about Jesus, about the one who would say such a thing. Okay, so that's the extraordinary thing that this gospel says about Jesus. Now, in light of that, let's turn to what the gospel is saying about us. Once we make the decision for Jesus, once we determine that he is in person the supreme good, then, listen, every other claimant to supremacy must fall away. Let me say it again. See, once we make the decision for Jesus that he's the supreme good, then every other claimant to supremacy must fall away. Now, as I've said to you many times before, every one of us has something, or we have some set of values that we consider greatest. There's some center of gravity around which everything else in our life turns. There's something, if you want to put it in biblical terms, that we worship, worthship, highest value. What do you consider highest worth? And everything else revolves around that. Now, perhaps it's money and what money can buy, material things. A lot of people, if they're spiritually honest, will admit, yeah, that's the center of gravity. Everything else in my life kind of revolves around that. All my decisions are either about that or they're in relation to it. Or maybe it's power and position. You know, there are people that don't really care that much about money and material things. But they love power and seeking power. You know, look at it from the great literary works up to the present day with our presidential elections. I mean, it's a, it's a favorite theme of a lot of writers and so on. Look at a show like um, House of Cards, then look at a play like Richard III or Macbeth, and you'll see this preoccupation with power. Maybe it's not money and material things, maybe it's not power, but maybe it's the esteem of others. You know, for a lot of people, that's a hugely important spiritual value, that people like me. I see it, for example, in, uh, in kids, in, especially when they get in the teenage years. I mean, why are teenagers often so almost paralyzed with anxiety? <laughs> because they're so concerned about the esteem of others. They're so concerned that people think they're cool, that they're, they're among the, the cool kids, etc., that this becomes the center of gravity. All their decisions will, will focus on this one. 
For some people, maybe it's their country or their political party. You know, that's what's absolutely central to me is my love for my country. My political party is so fundamental. I think of, you know, not, not to blame my poor uh, father and mother, but their generation um, of Irish Catholics in Chicago, to be Irish Catholic Democrats was extremely important. It'd be almost impossible to imagine someone in my parents' generation in Chicago not voting Democratic, you know? Maybe it's your family. Maybe your family is your center of gravity. It's the supreme value in your life. Maybe it's your kids. It's your wife. It's your husband. Now, I hope, especially with these last examples in mind, you see that these are all good things. I'm not saying for a second these are bad things or that you shouldn't be concerned about them. In fact, material wealth can be splendid and it can be used for wonderful things. Power and position can be used to affect great good. I mean, point to all kinds of examples. Honors, you know, might be well-deserved. Your country might indeed be worth dying for. Your political party might have admirable ideals. Your own ethnic group might be wonderful, all kinds of great qualities. Your family I mean, as far as you're concerned, and you're right, they're the greatest family in the world. And, and they draw forth from you your most powerful protective instincts. So again, mind you, none of this is false. None of these things are bad. However, and here we come now to the heart of it. When you place any of them in the absolute center of gravity of your life, things go awry. When you make any of them your ultimate or final good, your spiritual life goes haywire. When you attach yourself to any one of them with an absolute tenacity, you will fall apart. It's a hard truth, everybody. I know it is, because think of the things I just listed. And you say, those are, especially my family? Heck, my, my mother and dad, my kids, are you kidding? Of course they're the central value of my life. Listen again to Jesus now. When he speaks of hating, unless you hate your mother and father, unless you hate your children, he doesn't mean you should consider your family or your children or your country or your wealth hateful, but rather what? That you must detach yourself from them lest they become idols. That makes sense. Everything will hinge on this. You must detach yourself from them lest they become idols. And only in this way are we truly ready for mission. Now, here's the third sort of act within this uh, powerful reading. Keep in mind that every single encounter with God in the Bible conduces to mission, to being sent to do the work of the Lord. If we try to do this work while we are stuck in any number of our attachments, we will fail, period. If we try to do God's will while, while we are worshiping something other than God, we will fail. And that's why in every great spiritual master, we find this insistence upon identifying and ridding oneself of attachments. So St. Ignatius, 
urges us in his Latin, agere contra, to act against whatever is holding us down. If it's money, well, then you should seek poverty. If it's pride, we should embrace humility. If it's honors, we should actively seek to be dishonored. If it's sex, we should try celibacy, etc. This is not hatred of the world or asceticism for its own sake. It's a program for freedom, which is exactly why, and I'll close with this, exactly why Jesus speaks now in this gospel of the building of a tower or the planning of a military attack. No one starts to build without making sure all the elements are in place and the foundation is laid. Otherwise, he will surely fail. No king sets out to attack his enemy knowing that he's grossly outnumbered. Listen now. In precisely the same way, no spiritual person sets out to follow the will of God unless and until he's rid himself of attachments. Otherwise, he will find zero success. And so, listen again to the Master. Any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Detachment is the key to freedom and therefore the key to mission. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.